how many congregations do you know whose members speak such an array of languages and offer those languages in such creative ways year after year. This is uh, thanks in part to them and them sharing their talents, their gifts, their speaking in tongues as we have our own version of that. But I thank uh, Adrian Bush, our Sacred Arts Director, for bringing it and worship together in this moment. Today is the day that every single local church ought to be a little bit Pentecostal. We have our own version of the speaking and the hearing in tongues that you just heard. Every church ought to be a little, a little, maybe a lot, Pentecostal. What does that mean? It means asking the question I posed at the beginning of worship, what is God up to next? That's a Pentecostal question. That's a question that gets us near to what God is asking us to do, inviting us to do, where it is we are being led. I, I found some fun facts about languages. There's 2,700 or so languages in the world, but of those 2,700 languages, there are 7,000 dialects. 7,000 different dialects. One study says that a dialect goes extinct every two weeks. Language is always changing and evolving and forming. My favorite type, uh, part of our language, literary device of our language, is called onomatopoeia. You remember that from school? right? Honk, that's a word, that, you know, or bark or rough. Well, I was looking up Rice Krispies, the snap, crackle, pop, as we say in America. That doesn't translate into other languages quite that way. In Germany, it's, I think, nisper, nasper, nusper. In France, crick, crack, crock. In Spain, cris, cras, cros. I don't know if that's right or not, but it sounds really good speaking in tongues that way. Cows are sacred in India, but they don't say moo, they say humba. Thai owls say hook, hook instead of hoot, hoot. And my favorite one, the more carbs I take, uh, Albanian pigs don't say oink, they say hunk. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? It's probably not how you pronounce that either, but I'm going with it. Hunk. <laughs> Learning to speak a new language is humbling. Right? If you've ever tried, particularly if you've tried as an adult. Now, children pick up on it a, a lot more easily. They're sponges and they absorb stuff. And, and part of that's because they don't, they don't have as much pride that has to get out of the way or they don't have as much undoing uh, that has to be redone as we adults do. But we adults, with muscle memory being what it is, with time commitments being what it is to learning a new language, we have to undo a lot of that which we learned about the diaphragm and airflow and mouth formations and vowels and enunciation and intonation. And, and if, once you start trying to form those words, uh, singular words, and then you string them together to form an idea or, or a thought or to pose a question, adults might be reduced to childlike babble. And it might be the child in your home that becomes the teacher. Amen? Of a second language? Well, I don't know about you, but one of the things I do in my trusty cell phone is I keep a bucket list. The things that I want to do before I leave this world. I want to meet the Pope. I want to visit the Louvre. I want to take a four by four and go from Alaska all the way to South America. Some of y'all volunteered to go with me after the first service. We can do that. But one of the things I want to do is I want to learn a second language because the Spanish the Spanglish I learned in school previously, it just doesn't cut it, right? I end up with more smirks and snide looks than anything else. But the secondary language that I want to learn is American Sign Language. 
I love its engagement. I'm a pretty expressive guy. I like to use my hands. I want to use that language. It's such a beautiful language. It flows. It's really uh, quite elegant. But even American sign language indicates there's other dialects. There's a British sign language and a French sign language and an international and Australian sign language. So even it has its own derivatives. But I want to learn uh, sign language as a second language. By the way, if you haven't seen CODA, which is all about sign language, you'll know why it won three Oscars. Well, here's where I'm going with all this in light of today's reading, in light of languages, in light of uh, interpretations of language. Uh, and that is most people who seek fluency uh, in a tongue that is secondary to his or her mother tongue do so for two reasons. One is necessity. The other is they're drawn in by the sounds that those particular words make. And Willie Jennings from Duke uh, helps with this. He says that if a person falls in love with the language sounds of another, then that person learns to fall in love with their food and their music, and their landscapes, their faces, their poetry, the nuances, the ambiguities, the high mountaintop experience, the sadness and all the joy of, of that people. And if you think about your own travels abroad, you know this to be true. I've, I think about um, the times I've been in Israel or Jordan or Belize or Ecuador and language became a front door of hospitality that drew me to something like a meal table. And our stories now have become part of one another. Uh, it's one of the main reasons I miss Anthony Bourdain so much in his travels abroad with food. Here's the, here's the point, speak the language, speak the people, right? On the day of Pentecost, God, decided to come down and try something new, to do something new, to speak the language called people. God is fluent in speaking people. And what happens in Acts chapter 2 is in many ways the undoing of what happens in Genesis 11, the Tower of Babel story. Let's build it all a tower all the way up. We'll be like God. We're not going to use the stones God gave us. We'll use the bricks that we made for ourselves and we'll erect this large uh, structure. And so God said, let us go down there and confuse their language. They want to be that prideful and that divided. Let's just confuse their language. But at Pentecost, when the winds and the fire like tongues came down, God said, no more babbling. It's time that you hear directly from me. And so God sent a miracle of wind to sweep through as the chief object lesson of how the Holy Spirit will not be contained in this world. It cannot be lassoed any more than, than wind. It cannot be bottled up any more than a flame can be bottled up. We cannot see it except at a children's minute. We can see what wind and air do. We can see what fire does based on its power. We can't measure it except by the speed that it moves through this world. The same is true of the Holy Spirit. It will not be contained. It will not be bottled. It will do everything that it can to open the ears and the hearts and the mouths and the full lives of people to do what God is trying to do, convey love to this world. And so what God was doing at Pentecost through wind and tongues like fire is giving voice to this new body that was being raised and would begin to learn how to walk and take steps in the world to make a difference in the world. Would begin learning how to speak 
its own message, its own language of God, it would learn how to speak people. The text tells us that everyone gathered that day were devout Jews, meaning they served the same God, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of Moses, the God of the prophets. They served the exact same God. They knew Torah. They knew covenant. They knew the Psalms. But the people of God were divided. We, we think about the word diaspora. They were spread abroad, scattered abroad, divided by culture, divided by tongues, divided land, just divided. But they were all God's children, all God's people. And this breath of fresh new air arrived and it filled up their lungs. <gasps> and they breathed in a way they had not done so before. All of the divisions had a representative there that day. How about that as a way of thinking through the Pentecost story? All of the organizations, all the denominations, all the caucus groups, the movements, all the labels, they were all gathered together in that one spot. And I think that is very telling about the Pentecost story. When those who were so divided are yet so courageous to gather together, maybe that's when God shows up and the Spirit pours out. The ones we love were gathered there. The ones we like were gathered there. The ones we dislike and the ones we hate, all there together. And guess what? The ones who love us and like us and dislike us and hate us, they were there too. But they all gathered, despite the divisions, despite the barriers, despite that which divided them. And they showed up for whatever reason. And so did God. The Spirit fulfilled the prophecy that said, all flesh shall see it together. And I think that's something beautiful. I also believe it's something terrifying. That when we're so bold to gather together that God might be showing up to do a new thing, to open our ears, to open our voices, and to help us get the wobble out of our legs as we stand up and, and begin moving however we can to follow the wind and flame of God. And for the record, it didn't just ascend in a tamely way. The text says the wind came violently as if to get the attention of the people, sort of like the reading we had. And then I think when the attention of the people was had by God and they started pausing and looking, I think then the Holy Spirit started resting on each head and said, now that I have your attention, I want you to know something. Listen up. And listen to one another. Listen to me and listen to one another. A new language requires constant practice, even for baseline proficiency. We forget a language much more quickly than we learn that language. And the same applies to learning the language of people. When we stop speaking the language of people, we resort to speaking the language of self and we're divided. And here's what the language of people is. The language of people is the language of listening, of being present, of showing up. The language of people is empathy. 
It's the language of forgiveness. It's the language of redemption, the language of people. The language that God speaks is the language of patience. It's the language of finding common ground. It's invitational language. It's liturgical language. It is Eucharistic language. Babel is the language that divides God's people. Pentecost language is the language that unites people when despite their divisions, they're willing to gather together for a mission greater than any one of ourselves. And just maybe the Holy Spirit will descend again and again and again. There's a poem by Theodore Rosak that says, Unless the eye catch fire, God will not be seen. Unless the ear catch fire, God will not be heard. Unless the tongue catch fire, God will not be named. Unless the heart catch fire, God will not be loved. And unless the mind catch fire, God will not be known. The miracle of Pentecost is the pinnacle of, of discipleship and how we become more like Jesus. We want to be all in? Let's be all in with our minds, our hearts, our voices, our ears, our hands, and our feet, whatever it is that we have that can be used by God, we say, as we come down this aisle this morning, we present our hands and say, here I am. I don't have it figured all out. I want to be part of a story greater than myself. I'm tired of all of the divisions. I just want to be part of a church family that is seeking to make a difference for Jesus Christ in this world. When the church was born, the world was, it was as diverse as things are today, and the prattle was as plentiful. Sometimes I think we forget that, and we just feel like the world is crashing down. It's come to our doorstep. It's come to our phones. It's come to our headlines and to our, our TV sets, and we don't understand it. It's too confusing. It's, it's babbling. It's... It's loud, it's chaotic, it's, it's voices we don't understand, we don't agree with, and we don't like. And we struggle with that. It scares us. It, maybe it threatens us. And so we close ourselves off to others. Close ourselves off to what God might be doing, a Pentecost miracle, suspending the laws of physics to break in and to give us this new language of people. On this day of Pentecost, I wonder and I pray that the Holy Spirit will allow us to hear one another again. I think Pentecost is God's way of saying to people, listen up. I'm not finished with you yet. I'm not giving up on you yet. It would be very easy to think that the cross and the tomb were the end of the story, but there was more to come. It would be very easy to think that even resurrection and the 40 uh, days afterwards to ascension were the end of the story, but there was more to come. It would be easy to say Jesus has ascended as we see here in our Veritas, and that's the end of the story. But no, there's more to come. And Pentecost reminds us that we're situated in the middle of the story between Genesis and Re Revelation. It hasn't even happened yet. And here we are, continuing the Acts 2 story. And God is saying to the church again on this day of Pentecost, listen up, I'm not finished with you yet. As much as you are grieving, I'm not finished with you yet. As much as you doubt why you're here, Pentecost says, I'm not finished with you yet. As much as you've been hurt by life repeatedly, the Holy Spirit comes and says, I'm not giving up on you. I'm not finished with you. 
As much as we wrestle with, with anger and impatience or intolerance, the Holy Spirit says, gather together and watch what I'll do. I'll change your minds and your hearts and your, your voices. You'll speak a different language. You'll speak the language of people. I want us to hold that in our palms as we come forward today to receive intinction. You'll be given a piece of bread and you can dip it in the chalice and partake of this sacrament of, of grace. But what if we just, just think about that posture for just a moment? We're all here together. We don't agree on, on everything, but we agree that God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. That God the Father, Son, and, and Holy Spirit believes in us and invites us to be a part of that mission. We believe in that. We believe that we are here to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. We believe in that. So whatever has accompanied you here today, whatever it is you're facing when you leave here, set foot back into the work week tomorrow, come for just a moment and say, I'm yours, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. Let your fire fall. Happy birthday, friends. Amen.